A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, Episode 78, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Hey folks, welcome to MLR Kickoff, big show coming your way. We get to go back to Austin. Lucky me, second time in about a month, back to Austin. We also go to Utah as well to preview that round one clash, go through everything Major League Rugby, but as always, uh, I'm not even the captain of this ship, but... uh, a swill bucket carrier is only as good as his captain, the skipper of the ship, Pete Seinberg, the professor. How you doing, brother? I, you know how many? The prof, I'm not the captain. Like I'm a professor. I'm like a, I'm, I'm like a professor in the sense I don't work very much. I have tenure. Like I don't really have to do anything. I can't be fired. I like I'm like the 65 year old professor with like the leather on his elbows. Like like I'm 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 not the captain. You're the captain, Dan. I'm along for the ride. That's the way I see it. No, because I have to go down with the ship, and it's probably going to sink if I'm on uh, if I'm captaining it. So <laughs> I'm happy to play my role and not lead the way. But mate, obviously uh, we're getting closer. We say that every time, but it's always true. We're getting closer and closer. Uh, some announcements from the dispersal draft have been kind of trickling out as well. Players have reported. Yeah, uh, a lot of teams did their week quarantine. Um, testing's been ongoing and. You know, it's, it's looking more and more realistic, Pete, that we're going to kick a ball on March 20th. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, look, I think it's going to happen. We, uh, um, we saw, um, you know, a team move right from San Diego to Vegas to make sure that they're able to play. Um, and so I think that's, um, you know, news that people believe that, you know, it's going to happen, right? Um, the, that the season's going to happen. There's, there's going to be no crowds at the start, but I think that there's definitely... Um, rugby on the horizon like you said Dan teams players have reported they've done their week of quarantine and actually like I heard and I think um, Aaron Castro our um, erstwhile uh, producer um, shared with me and I think you, you, with you as well Dan that there's more testing that's going to happen in Major League Rugby than there is in the Premiership in the UK in England so these guys are taking it seriously and they're you know hopefully all the players will be able to stick to the rules and we can get the season up and going you want to know what I take seriously what do you take seriously? My rugby kit. And you know where I get it from? Where do you get it from, Dan? I get it from shopmlr.com, powered by the rugby shop, Pete, because they're great sponsors of the show. And uh, I hear they're doing some specials. You, you've been on the website looking for yourself. Anything you picked out? I, anything that takes your fancy? So I have to say, like, the nice thing about the uh, shopmlr.com website is that you can see all of the jerseys together. So you can see the Western Conference jerseys and the Eastern Conference jerseys for 2021. And you look at them and you're like, man, there's some really cool kits. Like there are some really cool kits there. But but the cool thing is that there's actually a special where you can get a um, uh, St. Patrick's Day tee for free. So with your team's 
name and logo on it if you spend over $125, which is actually like a jersey plus something else, right? That's how much jerseys right, cost yeah. nowadays. So, um, yeah, it's, it, I've been looking at it. I'm, I'm trying to work out then, you know, do I buy every jersey or do I just buy or, or do I go the Dan Power way, commit to a team, become a, like the number one free jack or the, or the number one, you know. Uh, Arrow. Like, like, what was that? Come on. Uh, come out of the closet. You love the Toronto Arrows. Just embrace it. <laughs> you know what? I, I I I do I do like myself some arrows, but I don't think that you know I I don't think I the, my problem is I don't have a favorite team. I really don't have a favorite team. So I don't know. When we were going through football. security in Seattle with Mark Winnicker and Chris Silverthorne last year, you were giggling away. <laughs> you were just in heaven. So. Yeah, I'd like to point out that that's just me getting a chance to talk to rugby coaches. Like normally I have to talk to like players or ex-players like yourself. So oh, whenever no, I get to talk to rugby coaches, as you will hear today, lots of giggling with me and Sean Pittman. Who's an ex-player as well? He made well, the, well, made yeah, the he's a coach now, right? Like you can be like most coaches were players at some point. That's true. That's true. And uh, Even one of them. mediocre players like myself. Well, this guy was not a mediocre player and he's turned uh, himself into a, quite a handy coach as well. Sam Harris from the Austin Gilgronies, head coach down there. We spoke to him for a couple of weeks ago and kind of got the skinny of what we wanted. So, kind of just had a chance to sit down with him and talk to him more about his time in Texas. I think he's been uh, boots on the ground for the last three weeks, Pete. Uh, I missed you on this one, buddy. I, I get a little lost on the coach talks, but. Uh, I did okay. So let's bring Sam Harris into the show right now. Well, as luck would have it, a change in the schedule means I get Christmas twice this year. Sam Harris, welcome back to the show, brother. I thought it was going to at least be round one before I could get you back in here, but it's a couple of weeks. So luckily for me, Dallas pull out. That means there's a reshuffle and we have to do Austin again as you take on, uh, who is it? Utah now, change the schedule. But how are you doing, buddy? You're in America? Yeah, I'm in America. Um, great to be here. I have thoroughly enjoyed my first five or six weeks here. Um, the southern hospitality of the Texans has been next level. And um, yeah, my family shipped in probably three weeks ago. They're loving it. The kids are already in school and um, it's been a bit of a seamless transition. So yeah, um, all thumbs up at this point. Somehow, I think with the political landscape here, a blizzard in Texas and a pandemic still raging on, Seamless may not be the best way to describe it, but you're making it work. Making it work. And as I said, everyone here has been fantastic. So, um, and, and that doesn't, especially within the organisation, I'm blessed to have some great management um, that I had no part in employing, but um, I've been blessed with them all the same and, and that they're working really hard behind the scenes to make everything work and it's going really well. Yeah, Austin Willis needs a pay rise just between you and I. We'll see if we can figure that one out. Well, there's a lot of buzz going on around our social media guys, and yeah, he's he's one of the big big heads there, and um, they're doing a great job. Yeah, good stuff. Big question: Everyone's been asking me, "Have you got Franklin's yet? Did you get the brisket?" <laughs> no, I still haven't got to it. I um, I've had a couple of opportunities, but then I'm just a bit of a last minute guy, and at the moment, because it's not you can't go there to eat, you've got to kind of book in advance, and it's like a four hour timeline between order and when you can pick up so i'm not organized enough to to get some yet austin willis there you go just delegate that's that's the key to everything over here delegation that's austin, get him some franklin's brisket buddy <laughs> get your pay raise let's let's talk a little rugby brother because round one is creeping up 
Uh, you've got boots on the ground now. You've got a chance to get your hands on the squad, you and Mark Gerard. What are your initial thoughts of, of the squad that you've got and, and how are things looking internally through preseason here for the AGs? Yeah, it's been um, disrupted to say the least. There, we've probably only had four sessions on field, you know, with the with the um, the isolation week at the start of February and then weather and different things. We just haven't been able to get on the park. There's been speed bump or curveball after curveball. Um, but through that also we've we've had a lot of opportunity to, to kind of lay down some ground rules and, and lay some standards. And um, the leadership group, I've got to commend them because they are a great uh, bunch of humans and they've done a great job up until this point to, to, to get us set on the right path. And um, when we have trained, we've looked really sharp and, and the squad and just wonder, you know, 34, 35, how many players we've got, all really good guys that, that have that are on the bus going in the same direction, which is kind of my job, but, um, and it's early doors at the moment. So everyone's a little bit excited and keen to get on the, get on the bus and go in the same direction. But um, yeah, hopefully we keep it that way. Yeah. Love that. Love that terminology too. Just get on the bus. Hmm. And uh, let's, we obviously went over a lot of stuff last time when you were on the show, just a couple of weeks ago. So let's talk about everything that's happened between then to today. The big yeah. one was the dispersal draft Dallas pull out, you guys draft Connor Mooneyham. How was mm-hmm. that process? What were the thoughts going into that draft? Players that you had identified? And then how was that process after the draft of getting Connor signed and getting him to Austin? Yeah, it was a really uh, strange strange occurrence even before the draft because I, I met with the, with the Dallas people in Dallas days before that happened and they had no idea that was coming and and like on the flip side, they actually seemed like they had all their ducks in a row and they were doing a really good job. Um, they were a lot more set up than I'd, I'd heard other teams were. So um, it was a big shock to me to hear that news. And then the dispersal draft. Um, yeah, again, it was a funny thing for me because I was quite content and happy with the squad that I had. Uh, didn't know if I really needed anybody else or whether we should get anybody else. Um, and then there's salary cap issues and not, not that there's issues with, with, with that scenario, but yeah, it's just a lot of things to consider and it kind of crept mm-hmm. up on me. Um, got some calls from, from various people suggesting that uh, I take different players from Dallas and, and Connor's, Connor was always on my radar. Um, he was on my radar from the first draft, from the collegiate draft. And yeah, he's a Texan, which was always... I always liked that part about some of the players that I was looking at. And I think the big thing for me was when I, when I decided to, to make that decision was that he just strengthened up our young brigade. We've got a great stable of young players in our squad already. And, and, and he was kind of considered for the draft. He was considered the best of that. So he could only add to our young brigade and, and uh, add to the youth of the group and the energy of the group and, and I think I've said I said it last time I was on the um, podcast that you know I I'm here for a, a long time I want to be here for a long time and I want to set up you know long time success so to do that with a young group of players and for them to maintain that relationship and and we breathe that youth through the team um, I think that's that's the way forward. Now we've got a great group already with Louis um, number four in the in the draft and then 
Mason Crockett, Crockett um, 16. And then everybody who, who they thought was going to get number one, Cam Dodson, we've got all those three guys already in our camp. We've got a good young halfback, Sydney Shoup. So he's younger than all three of those. And then we get the opportunity to get the number one from the college draft. Um, so that was the big one for me. And, and then as a player, he's, he's a great player. And positionally, he kind of fills two, two gaps that I've got in the roster. And so that flexibility plus his, um, his potential, it was a bit of a no-brainer for us and, and he fit in really well. And then from Connor's point of view, when he rang me or when I rang him, he was very, he was very excited about the, that opportunity of staying in Texas staying mm-hmm. close to family, but also to be part of what we're building. And um, and he was a little bit, you know, disenchanted with what had happened yeah. to him at Dallas, which I can understand. And, and I think all the other players feel the same way. So um, he was really excited that he was going to get that opportunity. And, and that's what I wanted to hear. You know, I wanted to hear, obviously he had a bit of a chip on his shoulder, but he just couldn't wait to get to work. So... He's been a, not a breath of fresh air coming here, but he, again, he's just added to that that youth and that energy. And you know, I, I like players. I like having players on the field on Mondays through the season. And if we've got too many old guys in the team, we don't get to train properly <laughs> till Thursday. So yeah, yeah. The stationary bikes. It looks like a spin class on the sidelines on Mondays and Tuesdays with the old brigade. Yeah, so if we if we get enough young guys that, that keep the energy, that'll be good. And, and Connor's going to add to that. So and and I want to kind of push that angle as well. It's a great story to have so many, like I challenge any other team to have a better young group of players than what the AGs have got. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let, let's focus now on Utah. You play the Warriors round one, uh, home game at Bold Stadium. Paul mm. Oakenfold, geez, mate, you're taking me back to my summers in the early 2000s there. <laughs> uh, you know, no sleeves, board shorts down on the Gold Coast. But uh, yep. how, did, how did that come about? Did you, did you pull some strings from back in the old days on the Northern Beaches? You know, I didn't. I think I think um, Paul's got a, a bit of a rich history here in Austin, and we are linking up with the um, AMF, the Austin Music Foundation. And so, you know, as a the music industry in Austin's been hit really hard through this pandemic, and mm-hmm. you know, people aren't getting to play in, in bars and clubs and, and whatever. Like they took a real hit. So, music is one of the things that makes Austin what it is. So. We wanted to reconnect with that. And then also we get an opportunity to kind of have live um, concerts, well, not concerts, but performances at the games after the games. And and that kind of ties in nicely with what we're trying to do. You know, it's not just the 80 minutes on the field. It's the pregame. It's the halftime. It's the in the game, in the stands. Um, we've got some great entertainment coming up there. And then Paul just kicks us off round one with um, a really world-class entertainer coming to finish off the entertainment for that night. And um, and then that'll maintain through the season. Yeah, that, that's a great partnership because Austin, you know, um, the uh, South by Southwest Music Festival is probably one of the bigger ones in the US. And there are some big ones, but Austin's kind of like a hotbed for, for musical talent, all different types of music as well down there, not just the typical Texas country. So they've got all sorts of stuff. So that's uh, I thought that was a great partnership and uh, looking forward to that one. Looking forward to that one. But uh, let's talk Warriors. Um, I know you're, you're, you're a big student of MLR. You've watched a lot of games. You, you sent me a message of a game from the first year. I'm like, geez, Sammy, there's so many things to do in Texas. What are you doing watching 2018 games? But what are your thoughts on the Warriors initially? 
Yeah, they're a good team. They're they're really well put together. Uh, good attacking team with, with good set piece. Good general manager. Uh, what's the ten's name? Big left foot South African. Um, uh, Short. Short. Yeah, great. Yeah. Great goal kicker. So you know your discipline's got to be right on. Um, they're defend- defensively their presence. You know, with the with the black jerseys. You know, they're coming and 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 they're quite aggressive in their D. So. Yeah, we've got we're up against it. Um, you know, I was looking forward to playing the two-time defending champs, Seattle, in round one beforehand. But I think Utah is just as big a challenge, and and we've got to be ready to go. Um, and and that game, it, it kind of kicks off. I think we've got a run of home games through the through the first part of the season, and then we play away, um, coming into the final. So we've kind of kind of got to hit the ground running and um, really make the most of that. And and I think also. Um, I think six out of our first eight games are at home, which I think works in our favour because with, with the pandemic and everything, the travel travel might yeah. complicate things through that first part of the season. And hopefully once we come out of it, then we travel. And, and I think it works in our favour. And whilst I th- we're going to be playing some good teams, I think we can, well, hopefully we can sneak up on a few teams and, and catch them unawares. Yeah, I, I don't know how well... Austin's flying under the radar anymore. Everyone I'm talking to around the league is pretty aware that obviously you and Mark coming in raise the, the level significantly on the coaching side of things, but also the talent that you've accrued uh, over the last six months. So it's going to be difficult, but the West is wide open. Right? I, I still think the West is, is probably the most open out of the two conferences, East and West, where East, I feel like there's a lot of consistency with, you know, your Toronto's, uh, Old Glory, New Orleans, Atlanta, mm. New York, and that, that it's all very close, but I think the West is still quite a few unknowns. So what about in the Warriors, though? Kurt Morath, he was uh, a Warriors guy year one. Any, uh, any inside information you pulling from Kurt? Anyone to, to look out for in the Warriors that's caught your eye? Yeah, no, we, I, I haven't um, delved into it, to, to be honest, too much yet. And maybe I don't want to give away any secrets. But wink, I, think, I think with, um, like, we've had a mandate around our team that we're not going to worry too much about the opposition and we're going to worry about us. And teams are going to have to contain us. We're not going to, we're not going to search for weaknesses in teams' defences because... All we're going to look at is doing what we do right and and do it well to the best of our ability. And I think teams sometimes, especially with a short preseason, week after week after week games, sometimes you can get a little bit lost in too much detail of trying to attack this person, trying to attack that person. I think we're going to try and keep it really simple and, and, and hopefully have the game that every team has trouble um, containing. Yeah. It's going to be, it'll be an interesting clash. It's probably the most inconsistent side in the Warriors. Uh, on some Saturdays and Sundays, they look like they could win the comp, you know, in, in a canter. Mm. Other days, it's like, you know, they look like they probably shouldn't even be on the field. So always difficult to coach and game plan against a side that you really don't know who's going to show up. But it sounds like they've put some measures in place to get more consistent. Uh, let's do a little bit of rapid fire, buddy, and I'll let you go. I'll let you get back to the family. No worries. Best thing about Texas so far? People, unequivocally, the people, they're great. Yeah. I, I tell people that all the time. I said, you know, that America's very different in reality from what you see on television. 
Yeah. The, the people here are unbelievable. It's blown me away. This, I'm sorry, I'm going to go into a story here, but um, it's not so rapid. But yeah, this little community that I'm in, just so supportive and anything they can do to help us, it's, you know, it's not too far. Um, when I went and picked up my family from the airport, one of my neighbours, she cooked for us and or actually the husband cooked for us. He cooked us sliders and she bring over a six pack of beer and a bottle of wine and dessert. And like, she must have spent a mozza on this dinner just for us to... So, so my family had a, a meal on the table when they got home from the airport after their long day of travel. So that's just one in a litany of things where people have gone out of their way to make us feel welcome. So, yeah. Thank yeah, you. Austin's a great spot for that too. All right, mm. best food. Best food you've eaten so far. American. Mm, the ribs at Rudy's. I still haven't got to Franklin's. I thought the, I thought the brisket was a bit dry, but the ribs at Rudy's was amazing. Oh, good. How good are ribs? <laughs> All right, uh, let's go. Let's go. I had one more and now I forgot what it was. I was going to ask you one more thing. All right, American beer. What's the best American beer so far? Oh, I love Pabst. Yeah, PVR guy. Yeah, it's it's cheap and nasty, but I quite like it. Yeah. It's Sounds like you though. back in the day. Cheap and yeah. nasty. <laughs> I like you. Still. But, uh, I, mine's Pacifico. I know it's Mexican, but you know yep. what? I drink it here, so it keeps. Yeah, I've been drinking that too. I've given it well, all a go. You're a good man, Sammy. I'm looking forward to round one. It's going to be a good one against the Warriors down there at Bowl Stadium. All right, Dan. Always a pleasure, mate. Good catching up. Always stay safe down there. Stay warm. I can say that. Not often you get to tell someone in Texas to stay warm, but bundle up, stay warm, and uh, good luck getting the side ready to go in round one. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks, brother. And there you have it. Yeah, obviously some adjustment, right? You've, you've, you've mentioned players... Um, you know, dealing with the COVID side of things with the testing, but now we've got the other side of it with the coaches and he's packed his family up, brought them over from Australia, his kids going to school here. Um, so a great experience, i got to tell you. What, what an amazing experience for that young family to spend some time in Austin, Texas. I'm pretty sure uh, once in a hundred year blizzard wasn't on the radar when they came over. <laughs> That's <but> right. <laughs> they're surviving. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've, I've heard from a lot of um, MLR players and staff who are in the South especially those from overseas who are like, this is not what I was promised. This is not what I was promised. So. <laughs> I know. I'm getting uh, updates from, from the Windsor family, Sam and Becca down in Houston. Like, as it hit freezing and then got further and further down, it was just incredible to see how right, cold no Texas no got. Yeah. We, we were minus 30 here, Pete, on, I believe, Sunday night. What did you guys get to? I don't know. I was up in Steamboat on a, on a family vacation. Penelope was skiing. On our own, it was great. And it was actually warmer in Steamboat than it was here. Oh. Which is weird. Nice. I don't understand why that why that is, but it's, uh, yeah, so Steamboat was actually about a good 10, 15 degrees Fahrenheit warmer than it was here. I know it was very, very cold here. Well, talking of skiing, I actually saw a news report from Austin. People skiing on the highways down there because it was shut because Austin doesn't own a plow. The city of Austin don't own plows, but uh, for more on what I would consider the closest thing to a plow in Austin, Mason Pedersen. The front row from the Gilgronies. He uh, he joins us now with a special guest at the end, so don't miss that as well. The big man, the hitman, Mason Pedersen, right now. And we are joined now by the hitman from the AGs, none other than Big Mace Pedersen, the man who knocked the baguettes out of Bastereau, sent him packing back to France. Mace, how you doing, brother? Good. How about you? I'm good. That was, that was a pretty good intro. I thought you'd be a bit more pumped up for that one. I've spent all yeah, morning yeah, yeah. trying to run the bees, alliteration and everything. 
<laughs> yeah, that's better, buddy. You're all pumped up. How's the off-season treating you? Give us a little update on your life. Obviously, a long off-season. What have you been up to for the last 12 months? And uh, how excited are you that rugby is around the corner? Yeah, no, it's been a it's been a long off-season. And I, I feel it every day. Um, started out, stayed here. Um, was just lifting weights and stuff. And then headed back to California for a couple of months and had a gym in the backyard and was just lifting and running there. And then, yeah, and then headed back here in November, got a house, um, been doing a bunch of work, but no, it's good to be finally back training. I think that you miss having a rugby ball. You, you really know that you enjoy doing your job when you can't do it anymore and then you get it back. So. Yeah. Look at that. That's good perspective. Wise words from the young man. Good stuff. All right, you are you and Zinni. Are you and Zinni the last of the OG AGs? Are you the the elite guys? The only two that are left. Is that right? So there's two back now, but oh, we're the only two. No, that they weren't. Here. Ned Ned took a, a Ned took a hiatus and so did Patty. Yeah, that's right. So yes, we're the only two that are still running. Um, everybody else has fallen off. So, well, how how does it feel today compared to? Like, tell us a little bit about the evolution of your time in Austin, how it's changed. And are you more confident now about the future in Austin than you were, you know, two years ago, three years ago? Yeah, 100%. No, um, we've gone through a lot of change. Um, every year has been so different. And it's nobody's fault to what's happened in the past. Like, obviously, we've had some bad seasons here and there and, and some, some stuff has happened, but no, the future's right here. Um, I think Sam and Mark are bringing a whole new perspective to here and Gilly backing us now. It's a, it's a fun time. And like, that's not to say we haven't had fun the last couple of years and rugby's fun, no matter if you're doing it the way we did it before, the way we're doing it now, but um, just the team we have and, and where we're going, I think that it's a bright spot to be. And I think that, you'll see there's a lot of guys that want to be here that can't be here. And I'm just happy I am here. Yeah. You had a, you had a really good start to the year last year before things got shut down, mate. Tell us a little bit about the five games, how you felt you were doing, what, uh, what you were working on. And then basically, because you guys were coming good. You had the draw against Utah, then you beat Houston. Uh, things were starting to really turn around in Austin. How is that for you? The, the five game stretch there this year? Yeah. Um, well, like the first thing last year I came into, I put on some weight, so I put on a six kgs and I think that that showed, um, that helped out a bunch. Um, but yeah, no, we were going good. I think we were just getting started. We saw the players come in, um, where we were only getting better each week, week after week, we were only getting better. And I think we were going to make the playoffs, let alone, we were going to be a force to reckon with at the end. Sucks that it happened the way it did. Glad we got a win in there somewhere. So it, the offseason was a little bit easier to have. Um, I think if I would have gone winless again, it would have been a rough, <laughs> rough nine months. But but no, it felt good to get that feeling back. Um, I think I've been missing it for a long time. A couple of boys have. But no, we were, we were hot. Um, that Houston game was only the start. It was only a start. You saw that us coming together. We still didn't play perfect or anywhere near perfect. Um, but I think we were a team that was serious. Like even when the COVID thing hit the first couple of weeks, we, we were still training after, um, and then 
then we obviously got the cancellation, but where teams are already dispersing and stuff, we were still training. We were hungry. We wanted to play. So let's fast, let's fast forward to today. We're, We're on the eve of kicking off. You take on Utah round one. How is it going to be different in 2021 for Austin? What, what can you tell the Austin fans to get behind the AGs and, and how is it going to be different this year? Yeah, I think we're going to be a fit, fast, physical team. Like, that's, that's where we want to be. Um, we're going to play an exciting brand of rugby. We're going to play with the ball. We're going to score points. We're going to hit hard. Um, and we're going to win games. Like, I'm not saying we're going to win every game, but – I promise you this year is going to be a little bit different. Um, I think we go from being a team where people looked at us like, oh, that we're going to Austin to now we have a target on our back, which is good. That's where you want to be. Um, no, I just think that we're going to be a team that people don't want to play. And that's the goal. And that's what we're trying to push. And we're trying to push those standards every day to get to that place. Now, pretty busy, obviously, with the change in ownership. Uh, that came a, a different kind of philosophy into the organization at Austin. And there's been some pretty heavy recruiting. Like we said, you and Zinni, the, the OGs, uh, we spoke to your head coach, Sam Harris, and he said you were number one on his hit list of players that he wanted to retain that were off contract. There was some thought that you were going to go to California. How did that process kind of go around? Were you packed and ready to leave Austin before that happened? Or how did they convince you to stay? To be honest, yes, I was. Um, it's been a, like I said, it's been a long couple of years, um, but there was just unfinished business here in the end of the day. Um, I think ultimately I've been here for a long time and I wasn't, didn't want to leave on that. California's home. California will always be home. Um, that'll always be there. Um, there was something special that I could feel here, especially talking to Sam. And, and I know that LA is going to have a good coaching staff. I talked to them. They're going to be great, but now, ultimately, I had roots here and I had unfinished business. We were just getting started. So that's what ultimately drew me back. Um, I think the players and stuff making me feel every day like I made the right decision. Every day I get to come in the office, I feel like I made the right decision. Um, but, yeah, unfinished business is the biggest thing. We have we have a trophy to win, so that's what we came back to do. So Probably helps that half of California moved to Texas as well, so you're not so lonely anymore. No, 100%. Yeah, I'm sure people in Texas are probably like they can move back as well. All right, mate, let's talk about some of the recruits you got coming in. Who are you excited to uh, slap the burn orange on with in 2021? Um, well, you go straight to the hookers. Um, we got Huey Roach and Robbie Kutzier coming in. They're two guys that are experienced at the super rugby level. Um, you look in the back line, there's firepower everywhere um, between our – our battle at 10, we got three, three tens that are high level and we got nines and we got wingers and we just have people everywhere. That's the fun part is training is competitive. Training's fun. Training's high level. Um, in the forward pack, you obviously just look at the front row. We have a, we have a good group. Like me and Patty have a great relationship. The hookers are great people. Um, Whopper and, and the Rome and we have Jakey Turnbull. Like it's just, we have a good, good group there in the type five, even with like our locks, we got Seb. He's, he's a monster in the second row. So we know we, we just have people everywhere. And I think that we're a good group and we've bonded together already, whether it be the first couple of weeks of training or over zoom and stuff like that. So 
like I said, I've named a lot of people, but they're everywhere and we're a fun team to watch and play with. Absolutely, mate. Let's do let's do a little bit of rapid fire. Best golfer on the team, and who thinks they're the best golfer on the team? Willie McGee's the best golfer on the team. And then uh, probably Mike Duvall. Yeah, he thinks he thinks he's pretty good. Well, he is pretty good, but he'll have a good day and the bad day where Willie's pretty consistent every day. He hits yeah, he it plays just, enough. Yeah, he just hits it straight and is really annoying to play with. It's like playing, takes, with your da- playing with your dad where he doesn't hit it anywhere near as far, but it's always in the middle. Exactly. And then he takes your money and that's not ever fun. So No. God, that Will McGee is intolerable. <laughs> All right. Who, who's the hardest hitter you've played against? Now, you're the hardest hitter because everyone knows the, the shot heard around the world where you drop Bastero. Uh, who's the hardest hitter you've played against? So who's, the, who's hit you the hardest in your three and a bit years of MLR? Weirdly enough, I played with him but and against him, but Louis Stanfield, I think that he's just a hard-nosed dude. Yeah, I was just out there with Louis and we're doing some training. Yeah. Louis just doesn't have a soft spot. He's like someone got one of those big railway sleepers and then covered it with skin and put some eyes on there. He's just a hard human being. Yeah. And I'm just like physically, I'm like, oh, there's just nowhere really good to get you, to hurt you. But yeah, and he's, he's mean too. He's yeah. got that good mix. And he's 100 miles an hour all the time. He doesn't know another speed, so... Because he was with you in year one briefly, didn't he? He came yeah, down to Austin game, for a couple of games. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, for one game. But, but yeah, he just goes 100 miles an hour all the time. And all right. Who's, who's your favorite player to watch in MLR? Who do you love uh, turning on the television to, to watch play? Outside of Austin. You can't have one of your teammates. Outside of Austin. Mm-hmm. I'd like to say, like, JB Duplessis is pretty fun to watch for San Diego the last couple of years. I know he's down in NOLA now. Don't know the man at all, but I, I've had fun watching him play. He's a good player. Good player. That's a solid pick there, Mace. All right. Game on the line. Bold Stadium, March 20th. Who do you want kicking from 50 out to win the game? Down by two. Penalty on halfway. Mm. You want Money McGee, build the drill? You want Kurt Morath? Mac um. Mason? I'll take Mac Mason. Never. Never seen him kick? Nope. But the other guys, no, they're all good kickers. I think that's a hard one. Um, all three of them, I'd take all three of them, to be honest. Like, that's that just shows you the depth of that position that we have. Those three guys, you got, obviously, Tonga's all-time leading scorer. Like, he can slot it from anywhere. Will's a fantastic kicker as well, so. At what point do you ask for the tee? Um, anywhere within 10 meters. Yeah. yeah. Can we see it? Can we see it game one in the warm-ups? Can you just grab one of the tees and just slot a few for me? If you come out to practice, I'll show you because I don't want to pull right. a hamstring pre-game. COVID protocol, I won't be there. Wink, oh. wink. I won't be there, but okay. we'll see it. All right. Now, you are living with your lovely girlfriend, Morgan, who yep. we got to speak with before. Can you bring her in real quick? We want to we get to know the real Mason. Morgan. Morgan. You're back live. You're back live now. All right. You're back. Morgan, we, we want to we get a, a better feel for who the real Mason is around the house. All right. Like, what's he like when he comes home from practice? Is he a good boyfriend? Is he a little moody? Is he quiet? Is he messy? 
Like to be honest. a little insight into the day of, of Mason Patterson. The real Mason. Um, he usually says that he's sore uh, a lot of times. Um, <laughs> like Chris Hemsworth? Like Thor? Or sore? Oh, he's sore. He's very... I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and um, I feel like he usually wants to be very chill uh, after practice because he's, he's tired and he's usually very hungry uh, and he, yeah. I, don't know. I always hop in the shower first. I'm a get home and shower kind of guy. <laughs> that's, that's, that's nice of you. Because yeah, I yeah. know what things can smell like after practice. Yeah, exactly. right, what's, his, what's his best dish in the kitchen, Morgan? If he has to cook... What do you want him cooking? Best dish, good question. Um, I have to say, he makes a very good steak. Um, and he also, I don't know, recently he's been eating a lot of Brussels sprouts. I know he has to be very healthy. Yeah, the muscle sprouts, I love it. <laughs> but you can make them tasty. Um, yeah, I don't know, steak and potatoes and veggies, always a good standby. All right, and what's what's his worst habit? What can we fix on the show right now? What's the one thing he does that you're like, we got to fix this? Uh, he leaves his shorts everywhere, and I think they multiply. Like he'll he'll get out of the shower and he'll leave his shorts from like his practice or from sleeping, and I swear he must have like. 30 pairs of athletic shorts and they just find their way through the entire house. <laughs> what do you reckon, mate? Can we do a week of not leaving shorts around? Can we work on that? Yeah, I think we can do that, right? Uh, that's up to you. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> now, what do you want to change about Morgan, Mason? Oh, good question. Ooh, this one's easy. No, the answer is nothing. Absolutely yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah, you got it right. Didn't say Yay. anything. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm going to let you two go. Thanks yeah. for joining the show, Mace. Appreciate you having no, on, Morgan. Thanks for jumping on as well. Looking yeah. forward to seeing you pack down round one, buddy. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a us, great year in Austin. Yeah, no, I think we were going to have one. So I'm excited for you to be a Gilgroniac and support us. I really appreciate the support. And we'll keep OG, driving. The original Gilgroniac, brother. Yeah, you are. <laughs> From day one. Day one, baby. All right, keep them honest down there. Keep them straight. Austin, big things in 2021. Mason Peterson is going to be a big part of that as well. And look forward to seeing him suit up in the orange this year for the Austin Gilgronis. There you have it. Now, you remember year one, he, he was the uh, – he's been there with Austin the whole time, Pete. Suffered that neck injury. I think you and I did that game. We did. Uh, at Round Rock. And it was kind yeah. of kind of a scary moment for him. But uh, he's bounced back and – and this could be a big year for him, especially with his international aspirations. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's the athletic ability is there. It's just the experience, right? And so um, hopefully he stays healthy. Hopefully he gets on the on, on the pitch and gets a lot of minutes. And um, it's, he's one of those players to watch, I think. Well, one of the players that he is looking to follow in the footsteps of is head coach Futile Warriors. Sean Pittman, former front rower for the USA Eagles. Quite a an amazing career he had uh, with the Eagles and he went to a World Cup in 2011. Um, now moved to the coaching side of things. He's on Gary Gold's coaching staff with USA Eagles. And Pete, who better to talk to the coaches, the young coaches and the master coach himself, Pete Steinberg. And you had a chance to sit down with Sean earlier today. 
Well, welcome Sean Pittman, the head coach of the Utah Warriors to Major League Rugby kickoff. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. So before we get into your new role, I think that you have a really interesting career. You're one of the um, you know, few American uh, head coaches in Major League Rugby. Let's go all the way back. You were a very successful player. Can you talk a little bit about how you went from being a player to um, taking your first steps on your coaching career? Yeah, so um, I actually started coaching when, um, when I was with the London Welsh. So we do like forced Sunday, you know, youth coaching. And uh, it was kind of like luck of the draw. But since I was like kind of a newer guy uh, and I was American, they're like, Sean, you go ahead, go. And I was like, oh, I don't want to. But after the first couple of times, I kind of noticed I quite enjoyed it. So, <laughs> so I was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll, oh, this sucks. Uh, I'll go. But I like, I really started enjoying it. And then just as, um, you know, it kind of stopped when I left the London Welsh, I didn't get a chance to coach for a while. Um, but when uh, my retirement happened um, from rugby, um, a pretty, pretty early age of 26, um, I was lucky enough to start working with Adivis. So I, uh, I was in charge of all the, the youth. Uh, well, I was in charge. Uh, I would go around to all the schools and just do um, demos um, and, and just play fun rugby games with them. So that's kind of how my coaching actually just started. So. And then talk a little bit about um, your first steps into um, elite coaching and a pretty quick rise up into the national team setup. Yeah, I know it was... Um, uh, it was actually spooky fast. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm still reflect on it quite a bit. And I'm just like, was it too fast at times? Um, just because of development, things like that opportunities, but I was lucky enough to get a lot of a good opportunity. So, you know, I got to go work with, um, myself and JD Stevenson, uh, got to go, we were at a era camp in 2015 together, I believe. And him and I were roommates. Um, so he, um, after Pete Borlase had to step away from the U20s when JD was the head coach, he, he gave me a call and he was like, hey, do you want to interview for the role? So myself and a couple other people interviewed for the role as the U20s uh, forwards coach. Um, lucky enough to get it, to be completely honest. I don't think, I think I actually looked at that presentation last year and I was like, <laughs> this is pretty poor. Okay, so, yeah, so, so Sean, so something I, I will just tell you that if, if you look back five years and you don't think and you don't think that you were a terrible coach five years ago, then you haven't grown, right? No, so you should always look back five years from now. You'll look back at your first year at Seattle and you'll be like, "I'm, like, you know, that's that's just what it is." If you have the yeah. growth mindset and you're always trying to yeah. improve, right? So don't be no, too hard on yourself. <laughs> no, but it's just, it's just funny because you're just like you look at it and you're like. You reflect and you're like, oh, this is this is pretty bad. And then, you know, so that, so, so that happened. Uh, JD, myself, and you know, I got to coach uh, with Michael Engelbrecht, who was my um, U20 um, backs uh, attack and a backs coach, um, and U19s as well, age grade stuff. So it was really cool actually getting to work with him. So we got to travel to Zimbabwe, um, and it was it was a really good experience. A long trip it was a, you know a month long basically for the Junior World Trophy. But man, it was a great experience and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and then, um, you know, we did that and then that fall rolled around and uh, got to go and coach with um, Scott Lawrence, um, JD again, because JD was the attack coach um, and got to go coach with that group down in um, South America at the, the selects tournament that happens in Uruguay, kind of like the A-teams, a you know, tournament. Right. 
so that was kind of that next step in, in 2016 and towards the end. And then 2017 rolled around, um, you know, 20 stuff started happening. And then all of a sudden, you know, um, I got to when the coaching staff switched happened, when Mitch stepped away, um, Marty left, um, you know, I got to interview for with Haji um, for the forwards coaching role. So I interviewed and um somehow got it again and 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 you know all these people that are like you you seem to feel like this is just an accident right that people accidentally keep selecting you i'm sure there's regardless of what your presentation is like there's obviously something that you bring to the table uh it's just because i'm friendly face that's really honest yeah just a good guy but like you know that that was kind of like the you know, you know, Haji gave me a shot, especially being a young coach. And to be honest, like one of the few American forwards coaches that, you know, other than the last one I can remember was Dave Hodges, um, yeah. who, uh, you know, in 2011 World Cup, who was my coach. So, you know, he was a GM, offered offered me the, the role um, after Gary came in. Um, you know, we worked with Gary and then the next three years were pretty fast. It, was, it came on thick and fast. It was... It was hectic. Um, and then just Utah Warriors popped up and I mean, Kimball offered me the role after I interviewed for it. And yeah, so now we're here. <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit about your time with the national team. I mean, those mm-hmm. of us that have had the opportunity to interact with Gary, you know, obviously brilliant coach, um, brings mm-hmm. a lot to the table. I think has done a lot yeah. for US rugby. What have you taken away from Gary as a coach that you carry with you now? Um the analytic side of the game very much um, and keeping the game super simple. I think those are like the two, there's a lot of other things, of course, like tons of other things, but just keeping the game really simple. So players can be really effective. They know their roles. They know what they're doing so they can actually be the athletes that they are um, and then just enjoy the game as they go. And then the analytic side, like, you know, we, this year um, with me kind of taking the, the helm at the Warriors, we've, We've really dove in deep into, you know, with our GPSs, our, you know, metrics that were KPIs, like all that stuff that we're trying to hit throughout the throughout the season and stuff like that. Well, throughout the preseason to hopefully hit like a high performance um, dur- during the beginning of the season. Uh, so we can get off the get off to, a, you know, a quick start. Um, you know, that's kind of our goal. So like, the, I mean, Gary's just he's been a massive influence. And like, I can't say enough about how much I admire that man and just his bandwidth. The man is ridiculous. He's a huge bandwidth. <laughs> yeah. just, so I, I so got yeah not there you will you will soon learn that you will also have a big bandwidth yeah. as a head coach yeah. as, and, and, and let's talk about that that transition because you um you know you've gone from being the assistant coach and, mm-hmm. and as someone who's you know I was a head coach for most of my career I've been assistant a few times mm-hmm. being an assistant just honestly is really easy right and fun. you get to like focus <laughs> it's fun you get to be friends with the players like confidence you have the other assistant coaches to complain about the head coach too all of that stuff happens right now you're the head coach like like how how are you going to change and and what's already changed for you in that role well i think the big thing is um you know over the last year you know i I was lucky enough to be in some like high performance um virtual high performance stuff that world rugby kind of led so, you know, I was doing personal development during, you know, the whole COVID lockdown. Um, you know, gosh, we got presentations from Eddie Jones, um, Steve Bothwick. Like, we had, like, some pretty amazing coaches. So, um, um, so you know, I had the chance to develop there. And then when this role kind of happened, I had a lot of stuff that was already pre-built. Um, so I could 
basically just kind of plug and play at points. So, you know, my first thing when, you know, when they asked me to do this, I was just like, okay, we need to look over what we did was we looked over every single player, uh, basically did a SWAT of each player, um, SWAT of um, our team. Um, and then we created the style of rugby that we're going to play this year. You know, I think it's, it's, it's pretty tough sometimes when you, you know, if I came in and was like, we want to play the style of rugby, but we don't have the athletes to do it or the, or the, or the knowledge to do it. It's just not going to be possible. And, you know, it's been really nice to have Sean, to be completely honest, like Sean Davies is, uh, I mean, he's gonna be class. Like he already is, he's a very important part of this team. But like, I, if he doesn't get a coaching role within the USA setup, you know, at some point, uh, I think that would be really detrimental to the US in the long term. Who, who has the nickname? You can't have two Sean's, right? One of you has to have a nickname. Uh, no, we're just like, 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 like if, if, no, if just like Brandon Sparks shouts Sean, do both of yeah. you turn around? Um, I think actually, well, uh, it's like Davies and Pitts, I guess. You okay, Davies and yeah, Pitts. Yeah, Davies and Pitts. You just do list name, last names, but it's actually the the co- the players just call us the Shans. Uh, the we, we just travel around together everywhere. You know, we're just it, it was a crew. It's a good crew. Very so, thankful uh, to have them as a part of it. Obviously, starting your head coaching career, um, what's been one of the like. What's been one of the moments where it's kind of like slapped you in the face that this is different, that you were like, oh, this is different. What's what's been one of those moments? Um, when I was creating like the season opener presentation and I was just like, oh, shoot, like I got to I got to like get these players like G'd up. I got to get them excited like during this meeting. And um, and I was just like creating this and I'm like, oh, I got to be time conscious. Like you're just I don't know. It was just that was probably the big thing. And I was just like okay, this is, this is pretty hectic. And I started that like right when I took over the role, like in mid to late January, started the presentation. I honestly didn't complete it until like the weekend before, because I was just so hard on myself about it. Um, it was that with that. And there's, you know, there's a couple other things about, you know, sitting in meetings and you're like, is this what a head coaching role does? You just sit in these meetings and hang out, and, yeah. you know, and, and then you're like, yeah. So it's like this stuff, but you know, it's good to have it's been really nice to have Brandon and Kimball there as, as guides. And um, they're doing a really good job of helping me, helping me along. Um, you know, there's cautious bumps in the road, you know, it's just going to happen, but um, hopefully we just uh, keep it on the road as long as possible. <laughs> now, now talk about the staff that you have and the roles and responsibilities. Mm-hmm. You have you been, are you going to be able to let go of the type of, of, of the uh, set piece or is that still going to be something that, that you're going to be responsible for. Well, I mean, realistically, we only have two coaches. So it's myself and Sean Davies. So and Sean's uh, not the, isn't going to be coaching the scrums, right? No, 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 no. So like <laughs> I, I you know, so we so like the first day we did. Um, well, when I first took over, it was like the big thing for me was I wanted like a staff guidance. So like everybody knew what their roles and responsibilities were as the you know for the whole season on and off the kind of the pitch. So not just you know our coaching staff, but our you know physios, our strength and conditioners, strength and conditioning, um, all that stuff, video analysis. So that um, you know which is easy. Like if something you know fails or you know gets sidetracked, we can easily self-correct ourselves just by looking at the document that we've created. Um, but like for Sean and myself, like. Sean's doing attack. He's doing the backs, of course. He's doing, you know, uh, restart receipts. Um, him and I are both sharing attacking break, uh, t- attacking footwork and breakdown. Uh, I'm taking, I'm basically taking over defense, just keeping set piece, basically, you know, scrums, lineouts. 
stuff like that. And then all the, all the little stuff that comes in between all those little things. So it's uh, yeah, it's good. Just, I've actually quite enjoyed it. Okay. Just, just so you know, Sean, you're responsible for all of it. All well, of it. Yeah, yeah. Including the facts and the attack. You well, just delegate no, it to the no, other. Show. No, no, no. Like I really feel comfortable that, you know, I don't, don't need to delegate to be completely honest with Sean. Like um, I'm, I've given him really free reign wherever, you know, to be honest, we have, we had some guiding principles at the beginning of, uh, in January, well, not the beginning of the season, uh, beginning of January or the middle of January, which was like, just keep it simple. Just yeah. keep it really simple and clear. And I've just, I trust him enough. And he sends me the documents and then I'm like, man, of course, like I trust you. If this is what you want to go and you're attacking stuff, like, let's do it. Like, you know, we have a very guiding way that we want to play and stuff. So if it, as long as it fits within that, it's fine. So let's let's talk a little bit about um, your your up you know the upcoming opener that you have against Austin. Yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about sort of how you feel, how you think as a coach about that first game. What your expectations are. Um, I know that you guys have had a lot of um, turnover, right? Just in general over the last couple mm. of years, Utah has been maybe the most inconsistent team in the league. I mean, if you followed us, Dan and I, like you win, so then we pick you and then you lose, so we don't pick you and then you win again. I mean, the inconsistency has been frustrating mm -hmm. as a fan. It must be as frustrating as a coach. So talk a little bit about how you're approaching the season and in particular that first game against Austin. Uh, I, so I think I said it earlier, was like we're just trying to get out of the gate fast. Um, and we think getting out the gate fast looks like being very – clear in everybody's playing role so you know we're playing a very simple structure simple game simple outcomes from zones of the pitch so you know you know for that first game um we will kind of want to set a foundation for our season um you know hopefully we can come out be very organized um play a high tempo game that we're trying to play um and be successful in our kick game that's really that's really the three focus points for us in the beginning of the season and it's kind of like our um big planning for even the preseason, which is get simple structures in place. And then we can start to layer tactically what we really want to achieve through the season. Well, this has been, been great to hear your insight. So we've been doing some um, sort of superlatives with the players. I don't want you to call out your players, but you spent a large chunk of um, 2019, not with your family and your young family, yeah. but, with, but with Gary Gold and the yeah. other members of the staff, which is sort of 12 or 13 people. It's probably, for you guys, it's probably like three or four months, right? It was it was together, something like that. It was that. long. Well, it was, it was that and the ARC before. It was long. It was, it was long, good. right. It was, it long. was long. So, so, um, so, so let's, instead of you asking you about like players on, on Utah or other teams, let's talk about the national team staff. So mm -hmm. let's like, who is the person that you would be most willing to go on an eight hour road trip with and why? Who's the member of staff that you're like, that's uh, Jimmy Harrison. Okay. And why? Jimmy Harrison. Big reason behind that. He has a great playlist. Always good, good classic rock. Um, <laughs> chill guy, easy to easy conversation. Um, yeah, that's, that's really it, man. He's just, he's a great guy. He's a great and, guy and to be around. And, and who's the guy that you wouldn't want to go on an eight-hour road trip with? Uh, Greg McWilliams. <laughs> that was a lot easy. <laughs> that one was very quick. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. So why? Why I'm is that? One of your other one of your one of your other MLR coaches, right? So 
Yeah, Tell yeah, us no, why. I'm joking. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I would, I'd be fine going on a road trip with Greg. I mean, I enjoy. No, 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 no. Come on, that was that was way too instinctual. There has to be a reason why that came. Uh, out. He, he probably he probably tried to play. Uh, he probably bring out his guitar. You know, start singing, and you know, yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> yeah, I think there's I think there's more to that story. Um, <laughs> uh, who was who was the one that had the the biggest cultural challenge in Japan? Like people that haven't gone to Japan don't realize that, I mean, it is very, mm. very different place in many, many ways. Yeah. In fact, for me, it's been one, I've done lots of work in Japan. It's been one of the places that the culture clash for me has been most, even more yeah. different than China. So talk to me a little bit about which, which member of staff really struggled with, got homesick or really struggled with, with the Japanese culture. So I'm going to be out. No one did. Everybody loved it. Like, awesome. so, the, so we, we, the whole staff would go to the onsen together and, you know, we'd hang out in the spas and stuff like that after like, you know, training, we'd review, like we'd have like an hour break. We'd all go to the onsen, shave, hang out, sit in the sauna. It was amazing. We really enjoyed each other's time. Let me be completely honest with you. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, well, I'm not going to get much, you know, you're, you're way, way too kind. So let's finish with a little bit about yourself. So mm -hmm. um, here you are at the start of your uh, head coaching career. Um, mm -hmm. Five years from now, you're going to look back at this interview and be embarrassed by it, right? That's kind of like how it works. So, yeah. um, so give me three words that describe you as a coach right now. Wow, that's uh, that's quite difficult. Um, engaging, um, clear, um, enjoyment. Okay. So that's cool. So, so what we should really do is go and ask your players what the three words that they would yeah. describe you. That's actually yeah, they probably be like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a test whether, whether whether that's a line. <laughs> yeah, they probably say a couple other things. No, I'm just joking. But I think I think I think those are three great words. I think those are three aspirational, like mm -hmm. um, you know, aspirational words as a head coach, Sean. Yeah. I, I wish you the best of luck. Um, in your first season as a head coach. And I hope Thank that you. at the end of the season, those three words are still the way that you can describe yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm hoping. I hope this year will will be a good foundational piece, piece for my career, but, you know, really a good piece for, you know, the start of what the Warriors really, really should be um, long-term. That's what I'm hoping. That's great, Sean. Thank you for your time. No, thank you so much. There you have it. What, one of the good guys, I'm, I'm really cheering for Sean Pittman. I, I mean, it's always daunting, right, taking your first head coaching job, especially under the circumstances of, hey, it's last minute, our coach isn't coming back, here's the keys, don't crash the car. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, I, 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 I really enjoy talking to Sean. He's obviously a very thoughtful coach. I think, you know, you heard Gary Gold had a big influence on him and, and anyone who spent any time with Gary knows what, what, what a quality coach he is. So, you know, he's got a good support network there. I think Brandon Sparks is in, in his own right, a very good head coach. And um, as he talked, him and Sean Davies are a great partnership, but it's going to be a big test for, for Sean Pittman. I'm, I'm sure he has higher aspirations. I'm sure he, he's looking at, um, you know, this being the start of his head coaching but, um, career. But, you know, I think he comes in with the right attitude. I think he's coming positive. I think I like some of the things that he's talking about, about keeping the game simple and letting players play. Um, but it, it, it is. I mean, it's not just Dan that he's coming in late, but he's coming in around COVID, right? So you don't even get to do all the things that you would really want to do, right? There's going to be restrictions in, 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 in how you can train. Players will be lost, 
to COVID, right? I mean, I think that's one of the things we maybe haven't talked about that we're going to see, um, you know, with all this testing, there's going to be positives, right? It's impossible for there not to be. And so teams are going to lose players and they're going to have to adjust. And so being a head coach in that sort of in, you know, in your first year being thrown in, I mean, I think he had like three weeks prep. It's, it's definitely going to be a test, but I think his attitude is good. And I think he sees this as a long-term, like he sees this as laying the foundation for, for Utah. And, and, and as you heard, Dan, you know, I just want Utah to be consistent just to help us with the picks. Like they are, <laughs> like they win a game, we pick them, they lose a game. We pick against them, they win a game. And I just, you know, Sean, please, either very good or very bad, but none of this inconsistent stuff. <laughs> well, one of the players who's going to be in charge with making them very good, we hope, will be their back row star, Lance Williams, who has fought back from an ACL reconstruction in the 2019 season. I had a chance to sit down with uh, one of the, the great guys of rugby in the United States. Uh, we are joined now by Utah Warriors back row, Lance Williams. Big fella, thanks for joining the show. How are you holding up out there in Utah? Uh, everything's good, Dan. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, bro. Thanks for having me. Oh, long-time fan. First time on the show. Yes, uh, sir. Happy to have you here. Maybe a tough year for you. Let's talk about 2021. Um, mm. Coming back from an ACL. How yes, was that sir. process? Um, how was the surgery? Rehab? Mm. You Now, you played in 2020. I think you were about to get back or you just got back. Yeah, so um, I got I got uh, I got hurt uh, my ending season injury, uh, our first preseason game in uh, in San Diego. So I, I didn't I didn't really uh, get to go to the opening uh, um, season uh, in Atlanta. So I got hurt right before the the season started on uh, the first game, and um, I appreciate all the, those uh, intermountain doctors, doctor doctor that did my surgery. Everything went well. Um, I just let it happen, man. So it just when all that process went and when I heard the bad news, I just, you know, just got my dip, changed all my plans and just, just work on rehabbing and trying to focus on uh, 2021 of this year. So it's been, it's been a great journey, hard journey, but, and nothing, but it's, it's just been, it's been a grind, but uh, all thank you to all the doctors that they helped me get through it and all the, um, the physical therapists that they helped me at Intermont. So at Tosh, so hats off to them. They helped me you know, on a great journey and, Right now, it was just focusing on 2021 and getting this season started. So, so how how was rehab for an ACL during a pandemic? Was it uh, tough? To- yeah, yeah, it was. It was pretty tough. So actually, uh, I had a uh, workout partner. Uh, you guys probably know him, Alex Tucci. So we Hashtag had uh, Tucci gang. Has it Tucci gang? <laughs> Tucci yeah. Slim Tucci. So um, he he tore his ACL in September. So when when he came down, he was still in that rehab moment, and. Um, I tore mine on in January, did my surgery in February. And then when we heard all the pandemic stuff was going crazy. So um, that's what we want to thank Tosh because they, they were, uh, they allowed us to come, but we had to wear out. We had to follow the, all the restrictions of come mass. And then after when we're done uh, with our rehab, then we have to go straight. We have to go back home. So we, everything is like time limit. So like low numbers was in the, and uh, doing our rehab, but um Everything went everything went smoothly. Like it, it was just with this pandemic, like nothing. After rehab, we just came home, did a little bit on our own, you know, at home, did a little small workout at home. So we just had to wait till everything opened up. So, but throughout that, throughout that in Tosh, it was it was really good. Everything went well. It went pretty smooth. 
You, you have, you've done well with the uh, company endorsements today. I think you yes, mentioned sir. them eight times in a mountain. Get Sorry, six sir. times. Yes. No, yeah. no, they're, they're they're getting their money's worth. So get yeah. anyone who tears JCL in a mountain for yeah. surgery, and then you know your rehab as well. Yes, Mate, let's, let's talk a little bit about your journey to the Warriors. You've been there yeah. since year one. Uh, you have a, a football background. What's your background in rugby before you went to the University of Hawaii to play football? Um, I grew up playing rugby in Hawaii um, and a little bit in Samoa when I, when I grew up in Samoa when I was a little kid. But um, in Hawaii, uh, so rugby wasn't wasn't as big as here in the States, you know, that I, I, I was kind of like in a – like a little bubble of, of always like in Hawaii is football or volleyball. You know what I mean? It's, it's cause that's their, that's their sports back in, back in the Island, the 808. But uh, rugby was always there for, for some of the big poly guys that, uh, you know, like after, after football, if, you know, football doesn't work out, try the rugby, you know, try the rugby path. So that's, that was kind of my, my path into it. But um, a bunch of, uh, what you call it? A bunch of organizations there, a uh, bunch of clubs there in Hawaii it was re- really good teams. So and like, but it wasn't really as um, well organized rugby here in the states as as well. Like working on skills and um, game planning and stuff like that. It's always just, Hawaii was just go out there, show what you got, and then you know, hopefully somebody come in. Oh, oh, you don't want to come play at the states? You know what I mean? So it wasn't heavy recruiters like in colleges. You know what I mean? So in uh, high school back here in uh, in the states. So. It was rugby was always there. It was just just to keep me out of trouble, keep me in shape for football. But after that, after the football path didn't work out, I, my, my mind went straight to Plan B and, and going to the rugby stuff. So I, I moved down here and I played in the Pioneer Sevens and everything. And then uh, I got asked to try out for the Warriors. And 2021 is here, so <laughs> I'm Absolutely. a Utah. <laughs> Yeah. So, well, you, you've yeah. been one. Of, you've been one of the shining lights, I think, for the first few years of Major League mm. Rugby. Just your journey, and um, yeah. I know a lot of people were really disappointed to see the the knee injury yeah. kind of take <laughs> away. Uh, the only bright spot is rugby was gone for everyone, right? I mean, mm. you, you didn't really miss that much. Yeah. But I, I have heard that you obviously have aspirations to play at a high level. Mm-hmm. Now you are eligible for Samoa and mm-hmm. for the USA. Yes, sir. Have you given much thought to which direction you want to go in, or have you had communication with either of those camps? As of now, uh, no. Uh, I just, I, I, I'm still. My mind is is on those guys, is those uh, USA and, and and representing Samoa too as well. But I just, I'll, I'll just let it play out. I'll, I'll just do my do my work, what I can do, what I can control, and just keep working, keep working for for waiting for an opportunity and see what happens this season. So I continue to grind and, and work with the boys and these coaches over here. Um, not, not only for me, but to help will also help the team and, and that everything helping out the team, everything will fall into place, hopefully. And, and just continue. Cause I do, yes, I do want to continue on and playing in the, in a, the next level and stuff like that, but we'll see what happens. We just got to keep grinding, keep grinding. Absolutely. You got to do your yes, job sir. for the Warriors first. Yeah. Uh, which you've been doing, but how's 2021 shaping up? You, there's a little bit of uh, a little bit of an unsettling off season with Chris Latham not returning. You have mm. a great guy in Sean Pittman kind of step yeah. into that, you know, head coaching role. I believe it's still an interim role at the moment. Yeah. But, uh, Sean Davies assisting. How has that transition been for you as a player, not mm. having Chris return, but then having Sean, a familiar face for you, kind of step in. Also. Uh, involved with the USA setup too. So it must be yeah. nice to have an assistant coach there yeah. and now your head coach as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. Those, uh, Sean Davies and Sean Pittman, man, they're really good coaches, man. They're, they're, you know, like they're kind of like, um, they've been in our shoes before, you know what I mean? So they, they know how, what it takes to, to, um, um, you know, become a good player or become a great player and, and, um, you know, giving us all their, um, their experience and, and their background on, on, on the, in this game of rugby. And, um, it's kind of, um, it's kind of good too. It, it's really, it worked out really well because Sean Davies and Sean uh, and Pittman was always here during the, the pandemic and everything. They didn't, they went home to visit family, but they were all, they was always here in, in Utah and they was always communicating with us on, on the group on the chat and see how the boys are doing. And also they, they helped coach us in the selects team with Brandon. Brandon Sparks was the, was uh, running the um, uh, wonderful uh, selects warriors team. And, um, Sean Pittman and Sean uh, Davies was here the whole time. They were watching, giving us tips, you know, coaching us through. And then basically, like, they, you know, they were coaches and they were helping us um, continue to making these guys, uh, the, the guys that tried out for the selects, um, make um, make the Warriors, you know. So um, those guys been throughout the journey, too, from since uh, the pandemic started all the way till it's ending right now in January. So, it it kind of it kind of fell into place, you know, because Chris Dagum was still in Australia when we were trying to figure out the select team and stuff like that. So Sean Pittman, Sean Davis are always in the was always in in the um, in mentioning in throughout the the select team. So it's it, it's not a big surprise to me, but it's 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 been a, it's been a great 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 experience and off season training too as well. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about the Warriors. You won, you mm-hmm. make the playoffs, you bow out in the first round of the playoffs out mm-hmm. there in Glendale. Year two, a little bit inconsistent, and that kind of becomes the narrative for the Warriors. They're inconsistent mm-hmm. on their day, probably one of the best teams in Major League Rugby, but just don't find <clears> their day. How do you how do you change that in 2021? How do you find the consistency and bring mm-hmm. that to the Warriors? Um, it's just, uh, we have the uh, what's called um, bringing good leadership, you know. So when um, with Kimball and uh, and Sean and all this, the the words are going to abandon them, bringing in these uh, well good experienced guys, like such uh, guys like uh, Mikey Tail, um, Oli Khalifi, you know, Paul Mullen, they well good experienced guys and well good leadership too in their in their background. So, um, we kind of lacked in, in the second year in the Warriors of, of, of leadership, you know, so leadership and and consistently, um, always, always on us and stuff like that. and keeping the, the standards high and, and um, throughout the season. So we have those guys coming in, uh, great leadership guys, man. So those, hopefully these guys will, will help us to keep, uh, continue to give us the, the winning mindset and, and trying to uh, put that championship mindset uh, together and continue to, to um, keep that consistency strong to throughout the season of 2021 with the Warriors. Yeah, you mentioned those three new signings. Who yeah. are you excited to play with in 2021 oh, for the Warriors? All three of them. All three of yeah. them, man. They're all good. I'm, I'm just a sponge out there trying to, um, you know, absorb everything what they what they tell me. And uh, I'm learning from them every every day. So they, those guys are really good, really, really, really good leaderships. So, All right. You're, you're, you're one of the few OGs that's left. So you yeah. you won. There's the, the number's dwindling. So yeah, yeah. Let's, let's do a little bit of rapid fire here. Who's yeah. the toughest player you've played against? In the in the first three years of MLR, who's the hardest guy that you've had to go oh, against? The hottest guy, <laughs> that's probably. Um, oh man, I'm trying to see. There's a lot of there's a bunch of guys um, out there. So there's I'm gonna have to go with Brad. You know, Brad Tucker in Seattle, um, big fella number uh, number eight uh, 
in San Diego, um, Tavita, Tamalao. Yeah. So those, yeah, so those, uh, that preseason game uh, against in San Diego, the, the game I got hurt, there was some really, I hope, hopefully somebody went live or some recorded it, but there was some big hard hitting there right before the season started um, in the preseason in San Diego. So we're all my no new them and stuff like that. But those, those probably those, those, those two big guys were, uh, yeah, Brad, Brad Tucker and, um, and Tavita. I'm allowed. Tavita. All right. What, uh, what's, what's the hardest that you've hit someone and then the yeah. hardest that you've been hit in the first few years? Uh, probably the, the biggest hit that I, I remember was in Toronto. Um, it was a wet game though. So it was, uh, uh Oh, for it, it was a. I think I believe it was the other number seven on that side, and uh, Lucas yeah. Rumble. No, it was it was another guy. For I, I I don't probably remember his name. Shoot, but uh, the hardest I got hit was uh, let's see, frick, probably um, San Diego, um, uh, big fella, freeze, uh. And what position? He played uh he played a lock. He played lock. Kenny, over there. Kenny? No, um CLC. CLC. Oh, it's Mahoney. Yeah. yeah, Mahoney. CLC Mahoney. Yeah, it's so easy uh, when you're six foot six and six foot eight pounds. Yeah. <laughs> you just fall so over. He's and good. Yeah. That, that dude, um, yeah. Big CLC. He's a he's a big fella. Love that dude though. He's a big boy. Yeah. All right, let's go back to Hawaii football now. Yeah. If you could recruit one teammate to come to the Warriors from your Hawaii football days, yeah. who would you recruit and why? <laughs> he's probably in a, he's probably he's on a team right now. So I, I was I was trying to recruit him my second year. Uh, Joey Yosefa, that's a, that that fella. He's my he's my uh, my good friend of mine. We we grew up together in Hawaii. We played together in Hawaii for five years in Hawaii. He was my butt buddy. He was my roommate. He was everything, man. So um, throughout the, our college career in football, man, that was probably the one of the guys, hard runner, man, hard runner, good, good defending, big fella. He got drafted to the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers on the seventh round, I believe. But uh, that was one of the guys that I was trying to bring here in, uh, in, in Utah to come play with me in my second year. So that, that's probably one of the guys, Joey, Joey Yosefa. Up in Seattle now, Joey. Yes, uh, Houston now, Seattle. Who who would have who won the run it straight challenge between you two back team. in the college days? Uh, it was kind of equal, equal. Uh, he'll probably take it. Yeah, he'll, yeah, he'll probably take all the. But that, that that fella took some some big hits. He's a hard runner, man. Against uh, a lot of college football teams, uh, that are way are way bigger than I am. So he he'll probably he'll probably run over me and uh, smash me like a pancake. So. <laughs> we'll find out we'll find we'll out find this year out. we'll find out yeah yeah a little inside ball off the scrum and you can line him yes, up sir. <laughs> now now you're one of quite a few hawaiians and it's become quite a a, a regular scene in major league rugby is players mm. with the hawaiian heritage how much yeah. does that mean to you i know you you grew up in samoa for a little while but most of your childhood spent on the island of hawaii yeah. how much does it mean to you to be representing hawaii in major league rugby and how close is that community with you and the other players uh, obviously, Vili is one that jumps straight to mind. Um, yeah. There's quite a few others as well. Yeah. How important is that heritage to you? And, and do you stay in contact with those guys? Is there a little mm. bit of a, you know, an island battle going on, yeah. like you said, with you and Joey and stuff? But, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Talk us a little bit through that. Man, it, mean, it means a lot. and It means a lot to me. Um, with, uh, you know, Vili, he's, he's one of the 
one of my favorite players watching in the MLR from the, when it when it first started. You know, he's a so he has so much passion and love for the game and uh, the way he carry himself. He's like becoming a good role model, great role model, I should say, uh, for the for the boys and the kids um, back on the island representing 808. So um, guys like Vili, guys like uh, Samu Ching, um, myself, you know, every like just putting just putting some you know uh, some good things uh, uh, in Hawaii, um, you know, giving back to them and and representing the the, the island of Hawaii, and um, it's it just means a lot. Like it's you know you you kind of have like those uh, a great feeling for you know an island boy just trying to live his dream, you know, ch- chasing his dream, uh, um, setting a good foundation, you know, because I, I I think believe that the LA is getting doing a camp in Hawaii. Yeah, they're um, in Maui. So, so they're gonna be in Maui. So that's a great experience for you know for for the LA guys and and guys like um, big MLR fans. There's so, there are MLR fans in Hawaii. I'm I'm pretty sure they're gonna continue to watch their practices. Man, they're gonna be so excited. So all the young kids probably might be there. You know, all future MLRs um, uh, will be will be watching the, their practices. So um, just keeping a good foundation and um, you know setting a good good uh, role model and set just to get back to the islands of you know and Hawaii because uh, you know football and um, other sports won't even be there you know when you know as coming as a, a scholarship or trying to get a ed- further education you know rugby is always a, a plan B or um, thing to uh, something to think about you know to get your education to as well you know there's a bunch of rugby good colleges out there so um this, this is setting a good foundation. Can just continue to work different plans and different working options and throughout uh, in their college career in life. So, what do you reckon, Utah Warriors, San Diego yeah. Legion in Hawaii? Would that sell out? Yeah. You versus Sam? Yeah. Yes, sir. You know. Yeah. Like, How many people we you can make it happen, in? man? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll we'll get some football fans too as well because uh, um, they're first timers uh, uh, watching rugby as well. So uh, it's going to be much more. Uh, uh, a lot more hitting in, in in rugby than football, so in that game, so we'll see. But for sure, if that if that make it happen, I'll be all the all the all the. It's gonna be sold out, guaranteed. Just like you said, uh, Max Max Holloway trying to put the UFC in Hawaii. You know what I mean? That's same thing as you say. You put a San Diego and a Utah MLR in Hawaii. Let's do it. Yeah, well, <laughs> Max is following in the footsteps of BJ, right? Like, there's, yes, yeah, sir. It's a great tradition, and now that kind of becomes your mantle. You're the leader for the Hawaiian rugby players. Like you said yourself, Sam, Billy, just to name a few, you know, there's going to be a bunch of kids who yeah. are watching guys like yourself who yeah. want to come play rugby now because there is that pathway. So yes. it's, a, it's a big responsibility, you know. And, yes, sir. Yeah. And, and I can come run the water when that game there happens. There you go. I'll, yes. I'll, just for you, it's though. None, yeah. none for Sam. You got you to go with your, um, your swim shorts and your lost shirt. Just run out there and just... <laughs> yeah, I got, the, I got the leopard print swim trunks. There you go. See? I'll See? fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's let's talk a little bit about your teammates real quick before yes, I've got sir. you here, before I let you go. All right, and uh, we'll, we'll try to keep it positive now. Who, yeah. Who's the best influence for you in the locker room through your first few, few years there Ooh. with the Warriors? Who have you really leaned on and who have you learned a lot from inside the Warriors locker room? Uh, yeah, so uh, he's, he's not with us right now, but uh, one, one of the players that, that I really um, – Love working against with was my was my other half uh, Ada Unkington, so you know he was my yeah. uh, so that dude like I learned so much from him um, throughout my my two my two seasons here 
Um, you know, he taught me a lot. He was always, you know, he's my partner in crime on the field. I always look for him, see how he's doing. Yeah, you good? And and um, my other teammate too. My first year here uh, when I played with the Warriors was was also uh, Tavita Tamala. You know, he taught mm -hmm. me um, st stuff and uh, things I need to learn in my role in my position that the playing the number six and seven. Um, he, you know, he always taught me little little things here, um, little trickeries here and stuff like that. And um, the other guy I want to mention was uh, Fitz Fanicolo. Um, he was uh, Fitz was uh, he was kind of like my, you know, second coach on on the field when my first my first two years here, and um, when he was uh, uh, actually first three years when he was uh, when he was here, you know, he taught me how to you know how to use my energy around the field and how to use uh, you know when to uh, when not to uh, lose too much uh, of of your energy like. Try not to do too much in the field, yeah. So that that was one of my problems that I had um, my first two years in in the Warriors was I was working too hard. Um, I was because as as a football player, you always got to work, you know, working, hustle to the ball, hustle here, hustle there. But as rugby, you know, like you got other, you got other teammates, you got fourteen other guys next to you, you got to trust them. You know, you you cannot own. You're not the only one that always got to make the tackle. You know what I mean? Or always got to be at the rock and stuff like that. So Fitz taught me a lot of more more of a how to control my energy, where, where I'll be at right now, or how can you, you know, putting myself in a better position uh, where I can, um, you know, kind of, kind of help around, around the field of, of my role. So um, those guys, those three guys were, were probably the ones that helped me throughout, throughout my career and uh, uh, my journey here with the, with the Warriors. Yeah. Three good ones yeah. right there. Yeah. What, what about the King of the gym? Who's the king, king of the, of the gym? gym? Who, who ah, pushes you, the most tin for the Warriors? You're looking at them, bad. You're looking oh, at them. Oh, yes. Man, nah, man. <laughs> <laughs> man uh, uh, it will probably be me. Uh, we'll go with uh, Paul Mullen or, or, or Alex Tucci. Yeah, so those, those two big fellows over there. So uh, that, that's what I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait to, uh, you know, get a practice and see see some of these big fellas go uh, run the ball, you know, because it's been a while. Has, have we saw rugby, um, what, six, seven months already. So pretty excited. Pretty excited. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yes, sir. Now, who are you playing round one? What the revised schedule? I know who it is. I'm going to check see if you know who it is. <laughs> you know who you're playing in round one? <laughs> oh, in the start of the season or in yep. the playoffs? Yep. Oh, no, no. See, oh, 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 playoffs. Oh, I'm just saying that. Nah, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Now, uh, Austin, right? Are we playing Austin, yeah. right? Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, yeah. sir. You excited? So, what do you What excited. do you make of Austin? That's a, It's a different Austin. It's not the yeah. – uh, you know, the 2019 Austin that yeah. came in the game. So what are you thinking? What are you expecting from the Gil Gronies? Uh, no, you know, a bunch, you know, they got good players, great coaches there. And the, that uh, the organization has been grown from similar to what, what we've been doing, you know? So like it, it's been struggle from the beginning, it's first two years and, you know, they're expanding everything and they got a good, um, uh, one of my teammates too, as well. Good teammates of mine, Kurt Marath over there, with good leadership as well. Um, but, uh, their hats off, man. They they've been continue to be grinding. And I saw those couple games and um, last year's game uh, when we tied with them uh, in in Austin. So they begin they become like great. You know what do you call that? Was uh, each each and every game they just continue to to get better and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's uh we we're in kind of that in that situation too as well, but. It's just a matter who 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 put in the work and who grind the most and keep consistency, as you said. So, yeah. Well, Kurt Kurt was actually talking about you, and he said that yeah. uh, 
the Baja men had more hits than you did on a football field. <laughs> what do you say about that? No, no, it's it. <laughs> I'm just man. kidding. <laughs> Don't hurt Kurt. I like Kurt. No, no. I love Kurt. Man, he's a great teammate. He's he, he's been he's playing one of the players too that helped me out through to uh here in the Warriors too as well. So that that's that's a that's a good feeling of mine. So we still keep in touch and stuff like that. So man, we'll see. We'll probably see him in a uh, March twenty March twenty first, I, I believe. Sorry for our first game. You have to catch up with him at the bottom of a ruck. Give him a yes, couple of uh, sneaky ones. It's true, true. All right. All right, brother. I appreciate you joining the show. Yes, I know uh, you're, you're, you're a busy man outside of rugby yeah. too. We didn't even get to touch yeah. on that. Um, yeah. You know, you're a teacher with special needs kids as well, and I'm sure that yes, keeps sir. you busy, but also very grounded as well. Yes, so, sir. So uh, you have to give a shout-out to all your students. Uh, who, what, yeah. what school are you at? You want to give them a quick uh, shout-out? Whittier, yeah. So I just want to give a shout-out to uh, Whittier Elementary uh, in West Valley. So uh, a bunch of the, my coworkers there with Ann Murdoch and, um, uh, with those good, good, uh, uh Granite school district, uh, appreciate them. They, they've been nothing but good to me and they've been working around my schedules and stuff like that with rugby and, and teaching as well. So, um, shout out to the, the Granite school district and thanks. Thanks Dan for having me, bro. I appreciate you continue to do what you do, what you do, uh, keep doing, um, you know, being you Dan and, it's been it's always been great to hear good stuff about you, Dan. So appreciate right, you man. having me. Appreciate one of my favorite players. I'm a big yes, fan, Lance. Yeah. Keep it going. And yes, all the sir. kids in Mr. Williams class, make sure you listen. Yeah. Otherwise, get on YouTube, watch some of his highlights, and, yes, and you need to listen to this man. He's a good teacher yeah. and, and a good player. So good luck Thanks, in 2021. Sir. I'm glad yes, the knees back, fighting fit. And uh I'm sure if you continue to your, your development, your play that you've shown in the first two and a half years, the USA or Samoa jerseys, not too far away for you, brother. Yes, sir. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. You have a good one, Appreciate brother. Appreciate it. You yes, too, sir. Mate. There we go. Uh, you know, as, as much as I'm rooting for Sean Pittman, Lance Williams, I'm right behind him as well. I've, I've been a massive fan of the way he plays the game since year one. And uh, if that ACL doesn't knock him out and then the pandemic, I really think he's, he's an international player. And the scary thing for USA fans is you heard he's eligible for Samoa as well. And after doing some, uh, some digging since I spoke to him, he's on the radar for the Samoan national team. So Gary Gold, Sean Pittman, hurry up. Yeah. Not a surprise. Again, one of these guys that is, is eye catching when, whenever you watch him play as a physical player, um, he's dynamic. You know, I think he's one of those guys that, um, you know, you really need to watch away from the ball and see what his work rate is and see what he's doing. And those are the things that you really want to make sure that you get after. But I think he is someone that I think, you know, could really provide some physicality into that back row. But, you know, it's the great thing about MLR, Dan, is that there's more and more players, you know. With... So I think that there's two things about MLR that's interesting for the U.S. So one is there's more players in high-performing environments, like in a, in, a, in a good daily training environment, so that's going to get better. But the other thing is we get to see them all. Like in the old days, Dan, when you were playing, you didn't know, right? You knew the teams that you watched, right? Sometimes there'd be a game, like you'd be able to watch a stream on Super League, but maybe it wouldn't be that, you know, the, it wouldn't be a great. But now we actually get to watch all the eligible players. We get to see them play. And so everyone has the same visibility. So competition for places for the U.S., is just going to get um, more and more difficult. And so, but play, you know, players like Lance Williams get their chance to put their hand up and say, watch me play in professional rugby and yep. watch me improve. And so I think it's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, I agree, man. And I think not only domestically, but I think you're going to see a lot of international players who are probably looking to get into their, 
you know, I wouldn't say all the tier two nations, but some of those countries where they don't have strong professional leagues like Samoa, Tonga, Fiji, MLR is probably a great place because everything is professionally filmed. It's on television. Coaches can watch it. And it's just a good way to see it. So yeah, yeah. I think what we've seen that point. With, you know, South, South American players, like, like you said, we're seeing it with Pacific Island players. And we, we've been seeing it with, with some of these younger guys from, from Europe and South Africa who, who have careers over there, but maybe aren't playing as many games as they would like. If you mm-hmm. don't play games, it's hard to develop. Right. And so some of those guys, you know, you have to, you have to say, well, you know, you were on a pro 14 team or you're in the premiership squad and you're 24, 25. Like we talked to Ross Neal last week. But they like, you know, they're like, no, I want to play. Like I'm in my prime. I want to play rugby. I don't, don't want to sit on the bench. I don't want to be a squad player. I want yeah. to play. And so they have a chance to come over here, play and develop and still show. I mean, I'm looking forward to the first time that um, a player from MLR gets selected for a tier one nation. Yeah. Like that'll be very, like that's, that's going to be kind of cool. Now, you know, it's Argentina, right? So there, you know, there are some Argentinian players that are here that would do that, but but I think that like having a you know a Scott or a, or an English guy come over here and play so well that they make a squad, that would be that that yeah. that would be a telling moment for the league, I think. Yeah, I, I think, think so. It's this year, but I don't think no. it's that far away either. Well, you've got Tuzelet uh, up in um, Toronto, right? Seen and around that squad, so. Yeah. You never know. This could be closer than you think. All right, mate. Let's go around the grounds with some of the news happening in MLR. Free Jacks extend their partnership with New England Sports Network and ESN up there. Four million homes. So uh, good to see. Uh, I think we had SNY for New York for Rooney have already been done. I think uh, Mid-Atlantic for Old Glory as well. So it's great to see these teams forming local partnerships because the more eyes, especially with NESN, and, and you spent time in, in – uh, Pennsylvania so you kind of know there a lot of the bars will put that channel on in the in the local area and it's a great way to get eyes on and hopefully get people to then come out to a game yeah I mean I think that you know online streaming OTT is obviously the future but it's very like if you have a niche sport like rugby like you only get the rugby fans and as we keep saying the current rugby fans aren't enough to support MLR. So the great thing about the partnerships like the Free Jacks have with the um, with uh, New England Sports Network is that it gets someone who isn't a rugby fan to catch it, like it, and then become a rugby fan. So I think yeah. that any, any of the MLR teams that are getting on their local cable networks, local cable sports, whatever it is, is it's really important to be able to grow the brand of the sport and the brand of the team to the casual like accidental fan that we just won't get if we're on, you know, just the, uh, um, you know, the OTT, the ESPN pluses and, the, and those sorts of things. Yeah, I agree. All right. Another big part of that is going to be obviously the move to mobile devices as being huge. Uh, MLR has partnered with PT Sports Suite uh, for a digital platform and app development. So MLR will have an app. It's coming out and it's going to be smashing. I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a pretty, um, you know, well-known and, and company that's, that's done it for sports before. I think this is really critical. It's going to be really critical for the younger fan. We know that, like us old guys, right? We, I mean, do you still have cable, Dan? I have cable for sport. It's the only reason I have cable. I cut no it. Cable. I cut it probably three years ago, maybe a little longer. So but... I, I, I had it. I didn't have it for a couple of years. And then when we moved out to Colorado, I got it again, just so because I wanted to be able to like not restrict myself to sport or get illegal streams. 
it's the it's, it's it's the only reason I have it. But like I'm old, right? I'm almost fifty, and you know, my and, and Yvonne, my wife, loves cable. She'll sit there and scroll like through. I'm like, what are you doing? Like surf, right? You surf. You don't scroll. You'll surf through the cable, right? Like, what are you doing? No one does that. Go to the app and watch what you want to watch. Don't like try and catch other things. But um, so anyway, I think I think the third screen, the app, is going to be really, really important for the game. I think it'll be a great way to tell stories, great way to share data and stats. Um, I think it's going to be really, really important for the league. First thing, you look amazing for fifty. Just want you to know that. Just want the whole world to know that you look amazing. The second, you can scroll through um, streaming television now. I have YouTube TV. Shout out to YouTube TV. Free subscription coming my way. But it's the, it's the same uh, interface as what cable yeah. is. Yeah. So you get there. I, I've got the yeah, remote. I, I, can... I, had, I, had, I had YouTube TV, TV for a while, and then I had uh, I, I had one of the others. I mean, it's basically the same, right? I yeah. think the reason why we ended up getting cable was that, like, it's what you know Comcast does, right? You pay a huge amount for the internet and a little bit more, you can get all of these cable channels. For the Fair first enough. Year. Sucking then, with the bundle. Yeah, that's right. And then and then when it doubles, you call them and like, I want to cancel and then you get the same deal again. That's kind of what I did. <laughs> it's just too much work. It's too much work. <laughs> all right, here's here's some big news for you, buddy. And I know you are absolutely thrilled uh, taking you back to, to the underground in London. Paul Oakenfold will be playing the opening match for Austin at Bold Stadium. Hey, what are your top three Paul Oakenfold songs? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to give you a couple? The big one, obviously, the most mainstream is Starry-Eyed Surprise. So he did that one. Uh, Southern Sun, Tiesto Remix, another great one if you want to get on there. And then my last one that I would say would probably be Ready, Steady, Go. Uh, you can get a couple of the remixes. You are, you are remixes is a one. You are, Boom. Like, yeah, I mean, you are just the music and pop culture like savant in this relationship. But what I will say is this is what Austin does better. I think so far than any other team is I think they have, they have some marketing chops down there that is really, really impressive. Like that if they could just get some consistency, if they could, you know, be at bold for a while, like get, win some games I mean, people think it's that's important when you're trying to grow. If they can win some games, they've got they've got people that understand marketing there that could really um, build the uh, um, guild yeah. brain into something special. Yeah. Yeah. Need a successful franchise. I agree, Pete. No, everyone loves a winner, and it's easy to get behind and all the the razzmatazz and all that jazz. Yeah, I mean, Austin makes the playoffs, it. and and you know the guild Grannies make the playoffs, and that'll be all over like Austin meet local media, right? I mean, it'll be yeah. a big deal, right? But you just have to make the playoffs going you know, no wins in a season isn't the way to do it. No. And that, that uh, Paul Oakenfold, obviously part of a bigger arrangement they have with the Austin, uh, the Austin local music scene there. Yeah. Uh, Sam Harris talked about it a little bit. It's been hit pretty hard with COVID, with the bar scenes being shut. Um, dude, I, I have had some great experiences in Austin. Um, I'll digress. Those that you bit. remember? No, this is, so I was there for a work conference, the other work, not rugby related. So we're suited and booted, suits and ties. And one of the bars at Austin, I'm sure the locals down there will know where I'm talking about, on the main street, they actually connected at the back. So if you go to the restroom, it's a shared restroom between two separate bars. So it kind of trickled in there. And we were on one side. The other side, the line was around the block. You couldn't get in there. And so I kind of had a, a, a lapse in security at the back where they kind of blocked it at the restroom. And I'm like, let's go over. I had a couple other guys I work with. 
all in suit and ties. We walk in and it's very Austin music scene, you know, very kind of like jeans and relaxed. And so we're at the bar and this kid on stage, he's got to be maybe 17, 18 tops. Unbelievable, Pete. Right. He's got the guitar, he's doing everything. He's got the looper and he's mixing and he's playing guitar, he's singing. He's just incredible. And uh, we start getting a couple of like eyeballs, like these, you know, we just stand out. We shouldn't be there. And this guy comes up to me, he goes, um, who, who, are, who are you guys? Like, and I said, well, why, why do you ask? He goes, well, this is a launch party for Spotify. It's a private event. Um, you know, and this, this guy just won the a talent search that Spotify had put on at the time. And I said, I'm Dan Power. I'm the VP of talent identification at Spotify. He says, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so, I should have known with the suits and stuff. I apologize. And I'm like, oh no, you're good. Who are you? And he goes, oh, I don't want to tell you. I don't want to tell you. And he, just, <laughs> he disappeared. So we end up a free concert uh, with Spotify, uh, open bar. Thanks, Spotify. Um, our podcast is on Spotify, so you're welcome. But yeah, Austin, great music scene. So great to see that partnership. Just so everyone knows that, like, Dan Power's stories about his other work and going out can be, they're almost always good stories. So Dan, Dan uses his Australian accent absolutely to the max when he goes out there. This one, this next announcement could be part of it too because ascension uh seton which is a medical facility in austin signs on as their jersey sponsor so ascension is a huge healthcare system in the united states Uh, seton is actually the hospital in austin so that's a, a great partnership for them and again the synergy obviously the sports medicine the sports performance and and the surgery side of things tie in well with the rugby club so good partnership local uh, I think Ascension are actually out of mini Minnesota, I want to say, I think. You've I've done got a all bunch of this without mentioning your company. Well, I don't want to in case they're listening and they don't like the podcast and they don't like <laughs> me. So I just take a step back. No, but uh, I've, I've got, I'm on some email chains with Ascension and I'm pretty sure it's in Minnesota. But uh, huge, that's a huge deal, even if it yeah. is just a local one in Austin. So another good move down there. Uh, let's keep moving along because my stories have really taken us off track. Um, obviously, we saw a schedule uh, shift. Um, it turns out conf- that it's, it's a lot easier to schedule 12 than it is to schedule 13. Right, And you've, you've mentioned that ad nauseum, right? The, the, the prime number. <laughs> prime numbers don't work yeah. for schedules, right? Yeah. So 12, I think, I think it's a fairer schedule. Right, I think the um, I think all the teams will be happy. I think it's better for the competition. Like we would love to have had Dallas because I think it, it would have been a great addition this year. Um, but there'll be a great addition next year. Hopefully, there'll be another team that can join with fourteen. And with fourteen, you can also get a good schedule. So yeah, you have Dallas come in with Miami, or Dallas come in with Chicago, or Dallas come in with Vancouver. Houston. Vancouver, come on. No, they're West Coast. Otherwise, then you're going to oh, shift. Oh, yeah, that's right. Houston yeah. to the East. And yeah. ah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out. All right, let's do some signings. Ned Hodson. Old Noddy. He comes back after a couple of years hiatus from Austin. Remember him from year one? Yeah, Old Noddy. Yeah. He's a good player. He's a fullback, so back three kind of player. I think he can play a bit of 10 as well. So uh, more depth down there in Austin. They also... Get the money man, Connor Mooneyhan, the number one pick, takes his Lamborghini and his millions of dollars signing bonus <laughs> to Austin, Texas. So Sam I, Harris I, look, touched on that. Yeah, good signings, both of them. Yeah, yeah, good signings. And I think, look, Connor, Connor Mooneyham is going to be one of these guys that, that could be one of the breakout players, you know, so 
Um, obviously, number one draft pick. And I think one of the reasons why number one draft pick, he's a little bit older than some of the other guys. You know, so he's in his mid-20s. I think he's more mature. I think Austin's a great landing spot now. He, you know, he's part of the dispersal draft from Dallas. Um, you know, uh, another back three player. I think he'll probably start on the wing. You might see him move um, a little bit to, to 15, but probably start on the wing. But I think um, that's a great pickup by Austin. Yeah, Remember, those, guys, those guys selected don't count against the cap. So even, even smarter play, I think, for guys that picked up the Dallas players. Yeah, I know. Obviously, it was it was worrying times, right, for those players and, and the coaching staff. We talked about that. I know Connor's got a great support system around him that really helped him and, and lands in a great situation in Austin now that he's able to take full advantage of. Another Dallas player, Robbie Petzer, drafted by Utah, then traded to Atlanta. I love Robbie Petzer. Robbie Petzer, I, I almost hate to say he's underrated, but I feel as though he's flown under the radar on how good he is. Well, I think that if you remember, he's a guy that makes everyone around him look better, right? So, so when he's at 12, the bat line moves better. So I think he's a 10 that can play 12, but he's one of those sort of second five eights. And so he's, he's a player, like great kicker, right? Right, really reliable um, uh, kicker for the sticks. But I love the way that the um, attacks run off him. And that he's one of these guys that can play close to the line. But I agree with you. I don't think he's got the um, the plaudits that, that he deserves. I think um, Atlanta have picked up a, a great player that can play multiple positions. And hopefully it's an opportunity for him to really like, make his mark. Yeah, let's keep going. Uh, Cody O'Neill was drafted by Houston and signed uh, during the week. So... Uh, we heard that uh, Jeremy Lanitz and potentially Kyle Breitenbach um, won't be suiting up for the Sabercats, so they had a, a huge void at lock. Cody goes a long way to filling that. Yeah. Great signing. Uh, was with the Raptors. Got yeah, sent solid MLR player. Solid MLR So good, good pickup. Happy to see him. And uh, Gino Munn uh, goes down there as well. So scrum half adds some depth and some quality behind the vet ruse. Uh, speaking of Ruzi, got married on the weekend. So congrats to Ruzi and Mrs. Oh, Ruzi. And uh, probably a couple of little Joeys coming on, which is obviously uh, the Australian term for a baby kangaroo. His last name is Ruse. And just to explain that for our fans, if uh, they weren't following. But <laughs> LA, get Ryan James. Super talented young uh, outside back, Ryan James, from the Raptors as well. He lands in LA. Really like this signing. They also get Christian Rodriguez out of Lindenwood. Uh, was it Dallas? now finds his way out to LA, gives him some depth at scrum half. But he's also one of those versatile nines, Pete, that you talk yeah. about so often. Can play on the wing, and he could be a guy that you put in 23, bring him on those last 15 minutes and say, hey, just have fun. Let's go play some rugby. Yeah, and, and what I like is that I like uh, um, I like to see LA pick up some of these guys. You know, They've got a lot of experienced players. They're bringing them from overseas, but getting some of these guys from the US to be able to step in I think would be uh, um, would be really important. Absolutely. Sorry, we'll continue going down. Uh, this is a big one, and this will be breaking around when the show breaks. Uh, Vili Dolitahu, the, the MVP from the first year's championship, he goes from Seattle to New England, the Free Jacks. Is this then like the first kind of like J.J. Watt kind of surprise star player leaving one team going to another team? I think JP Duplessis from JP San Diego. Duplessis, I, think, I think you're right. JP Duplessis would, would was, be another. Was, but but I don't think JP Duplessis was the face of 
San Diego, the way Vili was kind of, especially in that first year, yeah. the most distinctive player for Seattle. I mean, you've seen online, like, you know, there's, uh, like, there's, um, you know, everyone's posting their pictures with Vili, right? It's sort of like, you know, I, I just think that he was, re- he's been, he was really someone, you know, part of it was the look, but part of it was the play. Like, this is a guy that just, you know, that he was a turnover machine. He, he was the most important part of that defense. When he got injured, the defense wasn't as good because he was able to slow the ball down so well. And, you know, I think it's, uh, um, you know, it's almost like it's it's sort of like, okay, we're really professional when, when teams make those sorts of decisions and players make those sorts of decisions. This isn't an emotional decision, right? This is a rugby decision. And, um, but I think, I think Seattle will, 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 will miss, Really, I think they'll they'll miss him on the field. He can play hooker, he can play flanker, right? Um, and just a really, really like good guy, but you know, a really talented player. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be tough too because I agree that he was the first genuine breakout star, not just Seattle, Major League Rugby. Like yeah, he became maybe, yeah. the face of year one. Like he really did. And his style of play was the first thing that kind of captured the attention of people. And then obviously the hair, the smile, you know, his nickname's the smiling assassin, right? He's always smiling, but when he gets the, into that ruck, you know, he, he's really doing a great job for his team. So credit to New England for picking up a player like that, that close to the season too. Like that's a really big thing to, I think, you know, I think he's got a lot of fire in the belly too. It's never nice being, you know, released or said, Hey, you're not needed or wanted anymore. And he's young enough where it's not like, you know, an older guy when you're 30 right. is like, hey, we don't want you anymore. Although Tom Brady just went and showed everyone what you can do in your 40s. But, you know, Villy's got some fire in the belly and it could be a great, you know, deal for Ryan Martin and, and co out there. Yeah, and I think that the, um, the other thing I would say is that I think it's a good move for him to New England. You know, Seattle's had a bit of, bit of turnover in the, in the front office, right? Um, you know, they've, they've had... You know their, their coaching staff is is thin, right? Lots of player coaches. Um, you know they're still they're still building. I think they they do a lot of things really well, but I think that some of the high performance stuff they've got Chris Toombs who is fabulous, right? But but I think there's they're still in the in the building process, and I think New England like that's the first thing that Mags built was was like how are we going to do the high performance stuff, and I think for Vinny that's going to be really really important. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. San Diego. They add some depth at nine. Uh, Carlo Dinaishan, uh, again, another Raptor, goes to the Jackals, gets picked up in the draft by San Diego. Very talented number nine. Yep. Uh, he'll do well out there. I think Nate Augsburg is still there under yep. contract. Uh, Nick Boyer is still there under contract. So maybe, actually, maybe not. Maybe Nick's not Nick there. Boyer's with L.A. Oh, he's gone up the coast. Okay, so there was a little bit of change between those two teams because uh, uh, Lukey Burton went up there as well. So obviously following up there. Anyway, hang on. Let me read the notes real quick to make sure that's not in there. No, good. All right, Seattle. <laughs> They've added some more players. Uh, Les Soliolai, you remember him from Utah, I believe in year one or two. He moves over to Seattle to play. Back row, typically an eight, big body. Yep. Uh, good defender, so he'll do well there. Oh, Obat, uh, Obat Norji, uh, there's your hooker. So yeah. really goes out the door. Uh, Obert will be the replacement. Tommy Clark, who was drafted by the Jackals, goes as a free agent to Seattle. So not drafted by Seattle, but picked up after the draft. So AIC, back row. I think he can also play a little bit in the back line too. He's very, very versatile. Killed it yeah, in the sevens. 
for really the Washington Athletic Club in the 70s. Yeah. Killed it. So, yeah. And uh, Rayno Herbst as well. He goes up there. Big uh, lock, which gives them some height. And uh, maybe, as Ross Neal said, we'll get Brad Tucker out of that four and five jersey back <laughs> into the six. So, Toronto, Ross Brown signs up there. And uh, Utah sign Logan Tano as well. So, local player and extensions. Pat Lineup, he extends with Toronto. So, some good signings. Late signings. I think most of these guys have probably been under contract for a while, but the announcement's just coming out now. Maybe to your point, getting them in the country before we announce it for some of the uh, international players. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, there's um, there's still rumors of players right from overseas. Um, you know, we, I just, you know, COVID is going to have an impact, even if a player's got a contract, even if they have a visa. I think, you know, we're hearing some players that, you know, aren't sure that they want to play this season um, with the COVID situation. And so even if you get someone, like, visas are hard. I mean, it's all this sort of stuff. So, so Dan, you and I are hearing these rumors about what's going on. Things aren't announced, right? But people that we talk to, there's still, there'll still be announcements over the next month and maybe even into the season, depending on how sort of visas and, and decisions get made. So, um, you know, it's and, and, and I actually think that the network. So I think, you know, my my prediction for the season or, or a prediction for the season is because of COVID, because of the potential for um, positive tests and therefore isolation by multiple players, the teams that have developed that depth. So like teams like Atlanta and Utah that have their select sides, right, that, that with local players that they can pull in. I think we'll have an advantage because we might find ourselves with guys really struggling to kind of, you know, field adequate teams because, you know, like, like this is where you've got to be really careful about who lives together. I'll, I'll tell you a story down when I was coaching at Penn state back in the old days, when we like had to drive somewhere, we would like all pile into cars and then we would all drive to games and one um, uh, car got lost and all of the props were in that one car. <laughs> so, so we were unable to start the game and so after that we were like all right dispersal of, of positions around cars that's how teams have to do it here right because if someone gets his positive in a house then those guys are going to have to isolate so you got to make sure that you don't have like all of your props in one house so i think it's going to be very very interesting to see how it goes we look at the Denver Broncos. All the quarterbacks were together, right. no one wearing a mask, and right. they all got ruled out. And you had yeah. a kid who was wide receiver who played a bit of quarterback, and so that was uh, nuts. We're going to see some of that. Like we we may end up with you know some some very interesting games because of COVID issues. Well, I was talking to Mace uh, Peterson. He was like, he likes to defend out a little wider so he can come in. We saw that shot he did on Bastro. Yeah. And uh, maybe we'll be out playing a little wider full time now. Who knows? <laughs> I agree. All right, Pete. Hey, we said we were going to read the review from last time. I just pulled it up. It's okay. A good one. It's a good one. You want to hear it? Yes. And, uh, do I, do I want to hear it? Just to confirm, it's not my dad. I asked him and okay. he, he said, what's a podcast? So I was like, good. <laughs> it's, not, it's definitely not my dad. Uh, Pete Powers is it, but I think it's, it's more Pete, like the powers of the professor Pete. Uh, wow. Is anyone going to ever give this less than five stars? Question mark. Not me. MLR Kickoff is a world-cast podcast headed by Dan and Pete. Uh, he says some nice things about me. And then he says, Pete knows the game as well as Dan knows food and good-looking men. 
that is the biggest compliment you ever got because I love food and I love good looking men. So that's why you're the professor. Um, his game analysis, this is you, is bar none the best I've ever found in the States. Whenever Dan faints from watching too many Brad Tucker highlights, I enjoy the chance Peach gets to teach me something. Truly the professor. So this, this guy's really that was smart. That was good. Now, we're ignoring all the bad reviews, right? This, oh, God, I don't really, I delete, delete them straight away. Oh, you delete them. Okay, got it. So he has a request for us. Oh. Maybe okay. we could get a little bit more undisputed, which is uh, the show on Fox, Skip Bayless and um, Shannon Sharp. Uh, you're the Skip, and apparently I'm the Shannon, uh, not by body, just by personality, I guess. He wants to hear us disagree for once. He wants to hear us disagree on some stuff. You should you should get on a plane with us and listen to the conversation. Yeah, that's true. Well, normally I'm up in first class and Dan's back in economy. Oh, so I walked right into that. <laughs> Dan's Dan's also like what, what are you six five but but shrinking six four? What are you? I uh, see six four and shrinking. I never hit six five. Okay, so so six four and shrinking, and I'm five ten. So I turn around and I look, and his knee his knees are just below his chin. And, and it's all right because they they're, they're bringing me a glass of wine while while he sits back. Yeah, he's so, he's asleep before we even but, get but up. I'm, I'm to think about like like what if we, you know, if, if we had any disagreements. Occasionally, on like when we pick teams and stuff, but uh, overall, our philosophies are pretty well aligned, Pete. And that's why that's why you're the professor and I'm your assistant. Yeah. It works. We know our roles. Well, 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 look. What what we'll promise Pete Powers is that um, we'll have a think about it. And um, we should have, like, like you know, um, Dan, you're a, you know, you can you can be a bit annoying, so you can definitely take the wrong side of an argument. Done. So we should we should like let's 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 think about maybe maybe we'll get Aaron to come up with a couple of questions and we have to argue. One of us has, has you know it's like a little bit yeah. of a club. One of us the ultimate bait club. I was going to say yeah yeah like yeah. like I have to argue you know. MLR, MLR shouldn't be running during COVID. You get to argue that MLR is. I have to argue that Brad Tucker's not good looking. You have to, no, I, have, I will argue that Brad Tucker is good looking. Oh, even better. Hold on. I've got another one. I will argue that you have to argue that Brad Tucker is better looking than Sam Windsor. And I have to argue that Sam Windsor is better looking than Brad Tucker. Oh, sorry, man. I have a, I have a moral compass and it doesn't, doesn't skew. I can't argue that. Okay. <laughs> I plead the fifth. All right. Well, All right. Aaron, we'll, we'll put Aaron on, on, on a little bit of like controversial topics that we can disagree about. Perfect. Like Penn State is not a good tertiary institution. Done. <laughs> Bang. Just kidding. Don't come after me, Nittany Lions. I was joking. There's so many of you. All right. For Pete Seinberg, Aaron Castro, I'm Dan Powers. Thanks for tuning in. This has been the MLR kickoff. Episode 78 of MLR Kickoff brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by The Rugby Shop.